0: For some, Germany might conjure up images of fun Berlin nightclubs, the scenic Bavarian Alps, or stunning castles. But
1: after today's countdown, your image of Germany might be, a uh, less picturesque and more bloody. Our list of German criminals ranges from cannibalistic to not-so-nursing nurses. And this list is pretty unique for the number of copycat
0: crimes on it, especially the number of criminals who owned butcheries. And let's just
1: say, it wasn't only pork and beef that they were selling. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every
0: week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling
1: crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Guide. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 most dangerous criminals of Germany. While I like haven't been to Germany myself, one of my stepdads was German. So his mom became my oma, which is I think grandma (laughs) in German. She was like a really cool lady. She was. She actually escaped Nazi Germany and she had to like walk miles and miles like to safety with her family, all while disguised as a little boy. That's wild. Isn't that insane? She was the coolest. She also taught me all of the German swear words, but I'm gonna save that for another time. You don't wanna bust them out right now? Nah. know what I
0: remember Oma she was a really cool lady hot ticket also my middle name is German and I have yeah there's that correct and I have German ancestry on my dad's
1: side so I've always wanted to go there I've always wanted to see it the food is great oh yeah so there's that German chocolate yeah there you go I love German chocolate Unfortunately, though, today's list is not about the delicious meals or the yummy treats in Germany. It's about the criminals, and we have some gnarly ones on this list. My number one is someone we've talked about in the past, but when we really break this one down a little more for you and kind of get into the nitty gritty of it all, you're going to be astonished. You know, I think I have a good idea of who your number one is because they're not
0: on my side of the list, and... There's no way they're not
1: on this list. All right, we'll see. You're going to have to wait and find out, because that's how this entire thing works. Elena has five of Germany's most dangerous criminals on her side of the list, and so do I on my side of the list, but neither of us knows who's on each other's lists. Let's start the countdown.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show.
3: Ten.
0: I'll start us off with number 10, Armin Meiwes. As a young child in Germany, Armin Meiwes dreamed of having a younger brother. But it wasn't because he was lonely and wanted company. He wanted a younger brother to eat and fulfill his cannibalistic fantasy.
1: Not the typical reason. Here we go, just
0: hitting number 10 right, right off the bat. Yeah, you really came in. So in 2001, Armin was living in the small German town of Rottenburg. He put an ad on a website called The Cannibal Cafe, looking for a, quote, young, well-built man who wanted to be eaten.
1: Why is The Cannibal Cafe an actual thing?
0: Yeah. Well, like,
1: Can we monitor the internet a little he, bit more, he's guys? Also,
0: he's also being very specific. Yeah, he is. He knows what he's looking for here. Yeah. burned Brandes apparently saw the ad and went over to Armin's house on March 9th. There, he consumed sleeping pills and schnapps. Armin cut off a body part of Burnt's and fried it with salt, pepper, garlic, and nutmeg. If this wasn't an actual human, that's a great, like, spice medley you have there. I know, it kind of is ruining it for me. It is. Burnt, who was still alive at this point, ate his body part with Armin. Okay. Joined in. So Armin later killed Berndt by stabbing him. And he apparently kissed him before killing him, which is even more disturbing. That is... He chopped Burned up into pieces that he stored in his freezer. Over the course of weeks, he defrosted burnt, and cooked parts of his body with olive oil and garlic. All in
1: all, he consumed over 40 pounds of human flesh. No, I didn't need that specific detail. That is making me feel sick.
0: Oh, it just gets worse and worse. Then Armin put up a second advertisement looking for someone else to eat. Sir... A student saw the post and alerted the police. Thank you, thank you. Who eventually arrested Armin in 2002? So at least someone was on your like wavelength. Like, can we monitor the internet? Right. But the case had some unusual issues. First, it turns out that cannibalism was not illegal in Germany when the crime took place.
1: I wonder if it was like no precedent had been set yet. So they were like, maybe we don't. It's like when you're like, why do I have to say that as like a mom? You're (laughs) like, I shouldn't have to tell you not to like cannibalize another human being. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: it's one of those things. So second, though, the murder victim had consented to his killing and being eaten. But do we have any written proof of that? there was even a video from the night where the victim made his consent clear. Well, that's tricky. Armin was eventually sentenced in 2006 to life in prison. Although he was a model prisoner, judges refused his parole since he showed
1: absolutely no remorse for what he did. I mean, I unders—I don't understand, but if why would he be remorseful if the guy was willing, you know? It's, I- That's a tricky situation <laughs> right is, there. This is one, I got nothing. Well, and that, well. on the other hand of that, too, it's like, obviously, you said there's a video that where he was saying he was but what giving if he his was consent forced into it? under duress. Exactly. There's plenty of videos where a
0: hostage or right. somebody who was kidnapped is sitting there saying, I'm OK. Right. How many cases have we had where they have actually called the parents? Yeah. Everything like that to make them like, I'm OK. I ran away with somebody. Colleen Stan went and visited her parents. Exactly. You know, so you can't really go by that.
1: Are there going to be more cannibals on your side of the list? Also,
0: can someone technically consent to being killed and eaten? I don't know if that's like
1: that's when we cross into a very hairy Yeah, I got I got territory. nothing. I can't have any, I have no opinion on that. I have I'm just horrified in every way I can be. Yeah, my brain is trying to wrap itself around that, but it's it's, it's not working. It's doing laps. <laughs> Nine. At number nine is Volker Eckert. Volker Eckert committed his first murder at age 15 when he strangled a female classmate. He later took a job as a long-distance trucker driving across Europe. It also gave him the chance to kill six women, and that's just the number that he admitted to. Volker was arrested in Cologne, Germany, in November of 2006 at age 47. Spanish police had found the body of a murdered woman, and security footage showed Volker's truck in the area where the body was found. While Volker was being questioned by police, he asked them to get headache medicine that he kept in his truck. According to The Guardian, a police person grabbed the medicine and noticed three Polaroids tucked in the front seat. Each one showed a dead woman oh with a noose around her neck. <gasps> police also found notes in the car that described other murders. When confronted with these pictures, Volker just admitted to killing six women. Oh, But when police reconstructed his past, they found ties to at least 19 murders and attempted murders stretching from Spain to Germany to the Czech Republic. Volker was especially hard to catch as he targeted women who were migrants, living under the poverty line, or sex workers. He also killed in different countries, each with their own police force that often weren't communicating with each other, which we see all the time. But, as reported by The Guardian, it turns out that Volker had been in prison before his murder spree began. In 1974, he was sentenced to 18 months for stealing his mom's car. Four years later, he was caught strangling a woman on the street in East Germany and sentenced to two years and eight months in prison. He was sentenced
0: to two years and eight months for being caught in the act of strangling a woman on the street.
1: Yeah, like in the Everybody's act of clear on that. what could have turned into murder. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Then, cool. in 1987, he was charged with attempted murder and sentenced to 12 years for attacking two women. He was released after six years when a prison psychologist deemed him no longer a risk to society. Really nailed that one. Yeah, nailed it. At Volker's flat in Nuremberg, police found a life-size rubber doll decorated with hair and other mementos from his victims. They also found more images of victims. But Volker was never brought to justice. While awaiting trial in 2007, he hung himself in his jail cell. He never stood trial for any of the crimes he admitted to or was tied to. That's a real bummer ending. Makes you so mad when it ends like that. Oh. You're like, you should have to pay for what you did. Absolutely. By sitting should. in a jail cell for the rest of ever. And like you've said before,
0: attempted murder is just murder that failed. Right. So why are we giving them a lesser sentence? It's it doesn't just, make just any that they sense. weren't good at it. That's all it was. Right. They're still a murderer. Exactly. Like they, they wanted to murder someone. Right. They just
1: didn't get to do it. It makes me so angry. Oh, it makes me crazy.
0: Number eight on our countdown of Germany's most dangerous criminals is Stefan Leder. Stefan Leder started working as a nurse at a hospital in the Bavarian Alps in 2003. But instead of helping to heal the sick, he murdered many of his patients by injecting them with a deadly combination of medicines. Over the course of 17 months at the hospital, Stefan killed at least 28 patients who were between 40 and 94 years old. Are
1: you kidding me? Yeah,
0: you lived to 94. And Only this guy. to be taken out by this guy. Hospital workers called the police when they noticed certain drugs missing. As reported by the BBC, while investigating, they found unsealed vials at Stefan's home that contained enough medicine to kill 10 people. Wow. After Stefan was arrested, he wrote a six-page confession where he admitted to murdering 10 people. But he later recanted and said he couldn't remember how many patients he had killed. Okay. Yeah, like, cool. Yeah. A total of 83 patients had died during the time that Stefan worked at the hospital investigators exhumed 42 bodies to try and get an exact number of people that he killed. Wow, it's so sad that they had to do that to disturb their resting place. Exactly. In a few of the bodies, they found traces of the drug combination Stefan used on victims, but other bodies were too decayed to find conclusive evidence, which doesn't give the family any closure. Right. During his trial, Stefan said he knew he was violating laws, but felt what he was doing was right and that he acted out of compassion. Oh, so he's trying to act like this a was mercy like euthanasia. Yeah. Right. But a lawyer representing relatives of 11 of the dead said, quote, not all of the patients were seriously ill, and he had had no contact at all with some of them. Oh, So okay. that's so just...
1: Throw that out the that's window. That's a bunch of crap is what that is. That's some malarkey right there. That is there. malarkey. It's baloney, straight up. German blog.
0: There you go. Stefan was convicted of 12 counts of murder, 15 counts of manslaughter, one count of attempted manslaughter, and one count of mercy killing. He was sentenced to life in prison.
1: I'm so annoyed that he got sentenced to one count of mercy, mercy killing because I don't believe it. And it almost validates his That's delusion. It. That's exactly it. Exactly. But I'm happy that he's spending the rest of his life in prison. Yeah. Bye,
2: Stefan. Bye. Bye. Seven.
1: At number seven this week is Carl Denka. By all appearances, Carl, who was known around town as Father Denka, was an upstanding citizen. He played organ in church, was known for helping beggars, and he ran a butcher shop. But in a Sweeney Todd-like twist, it turned out the meat in his shop was not just from animals. Oh no. A lot of cannibalistic situations going on I here. I know. I'm not into it. On December 21st, 1924, a vagrant showed up at the Munsterberg police station covered in blood. He said that he had been attacked with an axe by Carl Denka. The police were suspicious and questioned the man's account of what took place. Carl told the police that the man had tried to rob him, so he fought back. With an axe? Yeah, like <laughs> with what, sir? They held Carl in jail while they investigated. And that was probably a good plan. Because, at Carl's apartment, police found a makeshift meat processing operation in his kitchen that later lab tests confirmed was full of human remains. In his kitchen at home? In his home kitchen, where he probably prepared a lot of meals. I have an air fryer in my kitchen. And I hope it doesn't contain what the next sentence is going to tell you. That's a lot. There were hundreds of bones, 240 human teeth... Dehydrated human skin, tubs of fat, and jars of meat, pickling, and brine. Now they also found records that Carl had kept, which helped police identify some of his victims. Investigators concluded that Carl had probably killed and dismembered at least 31 people over the course of three to four years. How have I never heard about this? Okay, thank you. I was this thinking is, the same thing. Like what's going on? Honestly, Germany. I thought that you would have heard of this because it's not. just so wild. But Carl was never tried for his crimes. While police were searching his home, he hanged himself in his jail cell. Guys, can we start doing some like cell checks on these guys? Like taking away stuff that can, come on. And somebody I feel should have been watching him. They didn't know what he was capable of. Yeah. Now in the 1970s, human remains were found in a yard neighboring Carl's old home. They are believed to be connected to his human butcher shop. I need to know what's with all the cannibalism. I'm feeling a bit sick. It is lunchtime right now, and I think I will be taking a, a no thank you on lunch. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass. I'm going to take a pass, yeah. Wow.
0: Six. Also on our list at number six is Rudolph Plyell. Like most everyone else on this list, Rudolf Playel was a convicted murderer. But what set him apart was his attitude towards murder, which was on full display during his trial in the late 1940s. Here's a quote that gives you a little taste. Quote, every man has his passion. Some prefer whist, which is a card game. I prefer killing people.
1: Oh. Those are two incredibly different things that should never be compared. Like, I'm sorry, my Yahtzee game is not the same as your murder, sir. My BS is not murder. No. Definitely not.
0: During the years 1946 and 1947, Rudolf took advantage of his role as a police officer by offering to escort female refugees from East Germany to the Western Zone. Oh, this guy was a police officer? Are you already the most horrified? Yup, I am. But instead of transporting women, he would rape and murder them. In 1947, he axed a salesperson to death in a seemingly impulsive killing. He was charged with manslaughter and sentenced to 12 years in prison. For axing a person to death, I just, like... Yeah,
1: using an axe to murder someone.
0: Yeah. Okay. One day, a woman came forward and identified Rudolph as the man who had tried to kill and molest her. Police investigated the women's charges and were able to tie Rudolph to 10 murders. During his trial, Rudolph corrected the official body count of victims attributed to him. He said he had at least 22 victims, but police could only find nine bodies. Isn't it so weird
1: when they're like, mm,
0: it's more than that. Like, sorry, it's way more than that. Like, is Real it gross. really? He bragged about being, quote, the best death maker. Or in German, der best Todemacher. Sorry, I'm American, so that probably sounds much clunkier.
1: I'm not German, but, but you know, sounded good to
0: me. it's a cool language, I think. Rudolph defended his actions by saying, quote, What I did is not such a great harm. With all these surplus women nowadays... Anyway, I had a good time. No, no. That's, that's a, a real quote.
1: With all these with all these women yeah. these days. And I like, anyway, I had a good time. Like, dude, you don't think there's a surplus of men? Because I feel that way. <laughs> Honestly. It, what are you I'm talking about? I'm not doing about anything sur- about it, though. A surplus of women? A woman made you.
0: You're welcome. There's a surplus of many things as well. And you don't murder the rest of them. Like that's what are you talking about? Ew. I just the anyway I had a good time is what kills me. It's like, oh, okay. So callous. Very glad to hear it. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. While there, he teased officials on the outside by writing letters, hinting where they could find body parts of other victims. I hate this man. What a
1: tiny, tiny man he was. Little, little. Tiny, tiny.
0: He eventually hanged himself in his prison cell in 1958.
1: I'm getting so angry at the amount of people (laughs) that were able to hang themselves in their prison cells. Very frustrating. Like, come on, you gotta serve your whole time. Yeah, you gotta sit there and think about it forever. And we gotta get somebody to just sit there and watch you 24-7. Yeah, who's gonna do it? Not me. we
0: The amount of cannibalism
1: and people who just hang themselves in their cell and get out of everything. I know. Two common themes, I guess. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, I'm ready to be done with the cannibalism. (sighs) Yeah, but I don't, I feel like we're not done. Mm, I don't know. Because the fact that the cannibalism
0: was all in the top of the list, like the lower half of the list, I should say. Right, right. It's got to be more. Like
1: more flow through. We got to have more coming through. I don't want any more Sweeney Todd-esque crimes. I mean, I definitely have some gnarly ones coming up, so buckle up. Number one is really going to send you for just a a tizzy. I have a feeling. I think it might be right.
3: Put yourself in the shoes of a real-life detective. Imagine examining the crime scene, gathering evidence and interviewing witnesses, feeling the pressure mount as you race against time to catch a criminal. Each week on Scotland Yard Confidential, the new Spotify original from Parkast, we enter the minds of some of the greatest detectives in history, following in their footsteps as they hunt down suspects and solve seemingly impossible cases, like the scandalous murder of singer Cora Crippen in 1910, whose body was found in her cellar shortly after her husband skipped town, or the daring Hatton Garden heist of 2015, when a gang of elderly thieves made off with a haul worth millions, and the cryptic notes found at a murder scene during the First World War. Was it a clue? or a red herring designed to throw investigators off. Scotland Yard Confidential is a Spotify original from Parcast made in partnership with Noiser, airing episodes weekly starting May 19th. Follow and listen to Scotland Yard Confidential for free on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
0: All right, let's jump back in with number five on our
1: countdown of Germany's most dangerous criminals. Starting off the second half of our list, Fritz Harman. Fritz Harman got his nickname, the Vampire of Hanover, because of his unusual method of killing, biting through the windpipes of young boys. He would then dismember the bodies and, you guessed it, sell the human meat at local markets. Let's hear more about possible cannibal number three on our countdown. I knew we weren't done. Yeah, I wanted to give you some kind of peace, but I was like, I can't. (laughs) I cannot give you that. Sorry. Fritz was born in Hanover, Germany in 1879. His life of crime began early. As a teen, he was accused of molesting young boys and sent to a mental institution. He spent the next 25 years in and out of institutions, which he escaped from several times. In 1904, Fritz began receiving a pension because of his mental illnesses, but he supplemented that with petty crimes like robbery, which landed him in prison for a five-year sentence in 1913. In 1918, a 17-year-old boy went missing. The boy had been friendly with Fritz, who had a reputation for taking young boys back to his house. Never a reputation that you want to have. Yeah, and it's like, can someone do something about that reputation? I'm like, if this is well known, we could probably stop this in its tracks. Yeah, when someone has that reputation, it's time to uh, move in there. Yeah, scoot on in. Take care of that. When the police visited Fritz to investigate, they found him in bed with a minor. But what they didn't know at the time was the head of the missing teen was hidden behind the stove. Those kind of things... It's like, like they're there and it's it's right yeah. there, but they have no idea. And
0: it's like the Jeffrey Dahmer of it all. Like when they just put like body parts in random places, I'm like, what
1: pathology is that? And I'm just like, how do you not? You just live with it behind your stove? Why are you doing that? Why? So Fritz was arrested for indecency with a minor, but he was quickly back on the streets where he continued to lure young boys back to his apartment. Once there, he would kill and dismember them, packaging their flesh to sell as pork or beef. He dumped whatever human remains were left into a nearby river. I'm never going to a butcher shop again. (laughs) Never. I actually just became vegetarian or pescatarian, and this list is just solidifying that that was a great choice. And honestly, it's inching me closer to your side. Come on over. Now, in 1924, a child found a skull near the banks of a river in Hanover. When police dragged the river, they found the remains of 22 boys. 22 boys! When they drag the river, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you had like been in that river before? If you oh, gone so many people or, must have
0: swimming. And when you find one, like you find a skull, you're like, oh my god, we're gonna find a body, right? You don't think you're gonna find 22
1: more? Like, holy! I can't imagine. Fritz was the obvious suspect. Police found him at a train station attacking another potential victim, and he was sent to jail. Uh, Yeah. While awaiting trial, Fritz said he killed, quote, 30 or 40, I don't know. So casual. And just so rude. They're all so casual. He later upped the number to between 50 and 70 boys. Those are a big difference, dude. They are. Police were able to identify 27 of his victims. He was found guilty of 24 murders and sentenced to be decapitated by guillotine in 1925. Four.
0: Landing at number four this week is Niels Hogel. We're taking a break from cannibals for a moment, I'm going back to nurses who kill. We've got themes going on here. We do. Niels Hogel seemed to have a savior complex. He would inject patients with drugs that induced cardiac arrest to then step in and quote-unquote save the patient through resuscitation. But this dangerous game left a suspected 100 patients dead. June 22, 2005 was the first time Niels was caught injecting a drug into a patient. The patient later died but for some reason hospital authorities didn't alert police
1: wild what like they were like hey we have a lot of dead patients and we think we know who did it but yeah. we'll just hold on to that information well literally they
0: caught him injecting like, a patient we know who, who died. did it like we watched you do it uh, unreal two days later he did it again because no one did anything the first time so why wouldn't he set a precedent this time he was sentenced to 7 years in prison for attempted murder Again, annoying. with the attempted murder. I hate that charge. It's so annoying. But families of people who had died under his care got wind of what happened and pressed for a larger investigation, which I'm glad. Right. In total, Niels was an active nurse from 1999 until 2005 at several different hospitals. One hospital found that rates of deaths and resuscitations more than doubled during the hours that Hogel was working.
1: Wow. Nobody, and it's like no one was looking at this before? Well, that's what I was just going to say.
0: Like, you got to be aware of what's going on here. Currently. Yeah. The police investigation led to a second trial in 2015, where Niels was sentenced to life in prison for two counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Before that trial, he confessed to a psychiatrist that he was responsible for 30 other killings by injection. He was said to have done it in an attempt to impress his colleagues and also out of boredom
1: out of boredom oh i'm so sorry to bore you while i'm laying you're, here sick and dying you're bored being a nurse like i don't think i've ever heard a nurse say that they were bored i've heard nurses explain their job as many things boring is not one of them no and if you do find it boring find it different out. profession <laughs> yeah because something's wrong don't make it exciting by trying no. to play
0: with people's lives This led to a bigger investigation where police exhumed the bodies of 130 former patients of Niels. And
1: again, it's like, he does this and they have to go and disturb all of those final resting places. Exactly.
0: In 2019, Niels was convicted of killing 85 additional patients. He was cleared of killing 15 other patients that police had tied to him. Several of Niels's work colleagues were charged with negligent manslaughter for not taking action against him. Good, even after they caught him injecting a patient with an unnecessary drug, which they deserved that. 100 percent. You watched this happen and you didn't do anything. What did you think was going to come out of this? Seriously. And now you've got a negligent manslaughter charge. Was it worth it? Probably not. No. The mass murder of patients by Niels has been called the worst killing spree in post-war Germany to date. I believe it. That's a gnarly title to get, my dude. It really
1: is. 3 Number 3 on our countdown of Germany's most dangerous criminals is Geish Gottfried. Geish Gottfried was nicknamed the Angel of Bremen because of the close care she took of family and friends as they lay sick and dying. But the demon of Bremen probably would have been more appropriate since she was the one slowly poisoning people to death. My goodness. Yeah. Another one. Another one. I don't think any of them are going to be, like, great. No, definitely not. But it, we seem to have, like, a lot of, like, injecting with medications and, and cannibalism. <laughs> <I> mean, like, <laughs> seems to be the running theme through here. I know. I'm, like, a little nervous. Is everyone okay? We've got two left after this, yeah. so we'll find out. Geish was born in Germany near the turn of the century in the late 1700s. So details about her story are hard to find. Why? Well, because of the late (laughs) 1700s. Why the? Now, her life appeared to be filled with sadness. Both of her parents died, as well as three of her children, one husband, one fiancé, her landlord, and even several of her friends. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Somebody might look into that. I'm worried. Well, after her landlady became sick, the lady's husband became suspicious of Geish. He sent some food from Geish to a doctor who uncovered that it was laced with arsenic. Geish was thrown in jail. Look at this guy, smart guy. And a good husband, Yeah, a great husband even. Yeah, a great one, I might say, you know? Authorities questioned her over the course of years and determined that she was behind 15 deaths. She had poisoned her mother and then used cake served at the funeral to poison her daughter. The fact that she poisoned her own children. She poisoned her mother and then at her mother's funeral poisoned her daughter with the cake. Also, why is there cake at a funeral? <laughs> There's so many questions so weird. I have. A few days later, she poisoned her other daughter with the same cake. My goodness. Police struggled to find a motive behind her killings. She would occasionally give reasons to investigators. She killed her father because she wanted to remarry. She killed her kids because she thought her fiancé didn't want kids. She killed her landlord so that she could have her house. All such valid reasons for murdering those that you love. Never a good reason to kill anyone, but these are horrific. Really bad. But she always came back to a simple, I don't know. Wow. Okay. Thanks for that, Geish. Yeah. She told investigators, quote, I've never been able to come up with a precise reason, even to myself. That's great, Geish. Thank you. She's like, so cavalier. You really helped out there. In 1831, at age 43, Geish became the last person to be publicly executed in the town of Bremen. Man, listen, <laughs> is- you just you've got to tell me that your last one is not a cannibal, at least. You know, I've never been
0: one to lie to you yeah, and and I don't plan to start now. Alrighty. So, so I will not say that. OK, but again, pretty sure I know who your number one is now that we've gotten all the way through and one person has not been mentioned in that I don't have that person.
1: You know, I'm not one to lie either, but for this, I'm going to plead the fifth. Yeah. And I use person very loosely there. So we'll see. You're digging for information.
0: Leave me. I am.
2: Leave me alone. (laughs) Leave me alone. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime.
0: We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of Germany's most dangerous criminals. At number two is Karl Grossman. We're almost at the end of our list. And guess what? We've reached apparent cannibal number four. Oh. Carl Grossman operated a small butcher shop in Berlin in the early 1900s. But supposedly, it wasn't just animal meat that he was selling. Now, this may sound like a story you've already heard on our list, but it's not. We have a new butcher here. Like this is, I know you're probably like, wait a second, I literally just heard that. I did.
1: You did. I did. But this is a totally different person. Another one. It happened again. Oh gosh. In
0: 1899, Carl was hit with his first serious jail sentence, 14 years for attacking a teenage girl. After his release from prison, Carl opened a small butcher shop. From 1918 until 1921, Carl lived a normal seeming life, he made money from begging and from his small-scale butchery operation. He was often seen at a train station in Berlin, clutching wrapped packages of meat. But there were seedier things happening, too. Karl lived on the top floor of a home where he was seen on more than one occasion, half-dragging a woman back with him.
1: What is half-dragging? Here's my problem again. We've, we've hit this
0: a few times on this list. We keep seeing like, he was seen on more than one occasion half dragging a woman into his house. I'm sorry, why was it more than one occasion that that was seen? See something, say say something. something. You don't watch a guy dragging a woman into his house and go, wow, and then let someone else see that too. The bystander effect is wild. I. That's just, wow, okay, just say stuff, guys. No one alerted the authorities until the night of August 21st, 1921. His landlord heard a woman screaming continuously and called the police. I'm glad that that's what it took. They knocked on Carl's door, but he told them it was too late at night for them to enter. He said,
1: come back later, I'm snoozing. Yeah,
0: he said, too late, sorry. Police broke down the door and found Carl in the middle of dismembering a woman's body. No. So she had heard screams, and when they got there, he was dismembering a woman. Wow. Carl was put in prison while police investigated. From the bloodstains in his apartment, they determined that at least three other victims had been murdered there. Carl eventually confessed to murdering four women. But police found a journal in his apartment which detailed the rapes and murders of 20 other women. Wow.
1: And he's not saying that he had a higher number than that? No. This is the first time that's happened on this list. Apparently.
0: They also found the remains of several missing women in a nearby ravine. It turned out that Carl was butchering the women and selling their flesh to other butcher shops. Whatever was left over, he would throw into the ravine. Does this
1: sound familiar? It certainly does. In 1922, guess what he did? Oh, oh, I know what he did. He hanged himself while he was waiting for trial in his jail cell. In 1922, Carl hanged himself while awaiting trial. That's crazy. I've never yeah. heard of that happening before. What is this? What is this? That is Why are we not catching on to this pattern, everybody? Four, like, butchered cannibals, cannibals on this list. And two of them were giving the meat to butchers in the area. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I'm, again, never going to a butcher again. What's going on? You know, when we entered this
0: whole thing and I was like, you know, the food is great. In Germany, and oh. now I'm like, what have I
1: done? I didn't even. Think
0: what have of I done? That. I mean, I stand by it, but I'm I'm questioning myself a little
1: bit. The vegetarian food is delicious. <laughs> the veggies in, are top notch. No meat options in Germany. Yeah. Awesome. Plant based options are great. Frankfurts? I don't know. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 most dangerous criminals in Germany, Josef Mengele. Josef Mengele earned his nickname, the Angel of Death, while serving as chief doctor, quote unquote, of the Auschwitz death camp. He oversaw a staff of other doctors, which is ironic, as the purpose of Auschwitz was to kill Jewish people, as well as others who didn't fit with what Hitler called the Aryan race. Mengele was born in Germany in 1911. In his 20s, he studied medicine, human genetics, and physical anthropology. When World War II broke out, Mengele worked as a medical officer with the SS, but he was seriously wounded in battle, which ended his military career. He continued studying science and eventually wrote a dissertation on the hereditability of cleft palates. The study was used to reinforce a Nazi law requiring Germans with genetic disorders to undergo forced sterilization. Wild. Like, how bleak is that? So bleak. In the late 1930s, he worked in courts as a Nazi race consultant. He would determine if people were fully Jewish or half-Jewish by looking at their eye color, their eyebrow shape, and their blood type. Wow. This type of debunked and unethical race science was used by Nazis to justify the slaughter of millions during the Holocaust. In 1943, Mengele was appointed as the chief doctor of the Auschwitz death camp in Poland. One of his responsibilities was to supervise the arrival of new inmates who were either sent for immediate death or sent to become prisoners. Killings at Auschwitz were carried out in gas chambers. Mengele had been responsible for administering cyanide-based pesticide that was used in the gas chambers of another death camp called Birkenau. He also visited hospitals at the camp. Anyone who remained sick for longer than two weeks was sent to the gas chambers. Oh my God. At Auschwitz, Mengele carried out cruel medical experiments that he claimed were for research purposes. Inmates were injected with different chemicals like chloroform and other poisons to study how they interacted with the body. And Mangala was particularly interested in studying twins. He photographed them and he made casts of different body parts. But twins were often then killed so that he could compare their internal organs. That part always freaked me out. It does. So much. Absolutely. Like his fascination with them, I'm like, oh, he's it's, so, ugh. he's so creepy. By the time Auschwitz was liberated on January 27, 1945, most of Mengele's medical records had been destroyed. He managed to escape imprisonment after the war by claiming a false identity and fleeing to South America, where he lived until his death. Even though he was a hunted man, Mengele was able to live a quiet life with help from his fellow Nazis that also escaped to South America, as well as his family in West Germany who sent him money. While living in Brazil, he took the identity of another Nazi member, Wolfgang Gerhard, Wolfgang had died of a stroke while swimming in 1979. Dental records later showed up that it was Mengele who had died. How nuts is that? The fact that he was never brought to justice for anything he did. And he did so many horrible, hor- like horrible is not even the word. There's just no word that exists for what he did. Truly the angel of death. And he just got to go out and live his life yeah. and like die swimming. Yeah,
0: Oh, it makes me so angry. It truly does. I knew that was going to be the number one, too.
1: And it definitely was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't think of anything else that should have been number one. I also can't think of anything that was left off the list. Can you? I can't because honestly, some of the, um, a lot of these I didn't even know about, which is
0: really crazy. Same here. I'm just really shocked at how many cannibals there are. I know. And how many murderous nurses there were. A very interesting combination on this list. I didn't see it coming. Neither did I. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely like the more, I, I know there's more. I just can't think of them. Like I know there's... A lot of serial killers that came out of Germany because we all got them. Oh, yeah. So I know there's definitely some of those and some of those that are pretty gnarly, but I honestly think that the Parcast Research Gods really picked the gnarliest of the pack. They really did. But we could probably do a part two of
1: this easily. Should we, though? Should we? I don't know. We could,
0: but should we? I don't know. But
1: do we want to? Probably not. No. I don't really think so. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another
0: great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify.
1: And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter.
0: And if you like us, which I hope you do, you made it this far, you can listen to our podcast Morbid anywhere you listen podcasts. Or you can follow us on Instagram at
1: Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at Amorbid Podcast. And we hope you keep it weird until Monday. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from ParCast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound
0: design by Kristin Acevedo, with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Fact checking
1: by Cheyenne Lopez. Research by Jay Cahio. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristin Acevedo, Gemma Waters, Jonathan Ratliff, and Tracy Levy. It's associate produced by Gitu Meira, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Elena Urquhart and Ash Kelly.
3: Scotland Yard Confidential is the new Spotify original from Parcast. Enter the minds of some of the greatest detectives in history as they crack seemingly impossible cases. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting May 19th. Follow and listen for free on Spotify.